I'm Joe Pascal. I'm one of the pastors. Happy Fourth of July to you. I wonder if any of you have ever felt overwhelmed by too much information. Uh, or uh, maybe you've found it uh, difficult or frustrating to figure out the facts in a situation. Has a decision in your life ever been slowed down by the amount of data or options to consider? See, I like to take the middle-of-the-road approach sometimes, uh, like in politics. I don't trust the far right or the far left. I figure the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. So I like to look at both sides of an issue and then try to land on some more realistic middle ground. Or even just with buying shoes. Uh, I still have some problem feet, so i got to be careful what kind of shoes I buy. I like to go online and find the high end and the low end and try to buy something right in the middle. Uh, but, you know, I've been online a couple times and looked at maybe 100 options and then quit shopping before making a decision. Because when there's that many options, you know, it can be kind of hard to choose. And that's a crazy thing, you know, because there are parts of the world where people don't even have the luxury of owning a pair of shoes. And here I have access to virtually any shoes I want and can't make a decision. In both of these situations, it's easy for me to be frustrated by how much time it takes to find the middle of the road. You know, there's so much information about the, uh, the left and the right and the high and the low end. Uh, it can be hard. It takes a lot of time and effort to evaluate it all. And it can be overwhelming. Now, maybe you don't have that problem. But we can all relate to the current situation of too much information. It's like information explosion. Wikipedia says that information overload is the difficulty in understanding an issue and effectively making decisions when one has too much information about that issue and is generally associated with the excessive quantity of daily information. This phenomenon has now been dubbed infoxication and even infobesity. And as these two terms suggest, it's not good for us. Infobesity leads to stress and anxiety. But it hasn't always been like this. For example, many of us can remember when just a few decades ago, you could only watch the news at certain times of day and only on three networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC. Then in the 80s, CNN started a 24-7 news channel. Now in 2021, we have around 50 24-hour news channels. Of course, you have the big three news networks, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, multiple channels dedicated all day and all night to news about the weather or exclusively about sports or business. There's news on the radio and news on the internet. There's news in magazines and newspapers. I, I think those still exist somewhere. And unfortunately, there's always more bad news than good news. When there's a constant flow of negative news, it's no wonder it causes stress and anxiety. It never stops, and it's new every hour. With all the negative news flying around every day, many of us steer towards a different type of information. Social media. Yeah, all that news is stressing me out. I think I'll go relax in the world of social media. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, WhatsApp, the list goes on and on. And social media isn't just a passive source of information. It's a place where advertisers try to control what you think and you try to manage what people think about you. But regardless of who's controlling who, one thing is for certain. 
In just a few minutes on social media, we're hit with a barrage of advertisements, as well as an infinite number of conversations from our friends, many of which are about their favorite cat videos. Unfortunately, cat videos often give way to that poisonous activity of comparing ourselves with the carefully curated images and stories about other people, or reading through someone's political rants and conspiracy theories. Social media has become this huge source of information and misinformation about an endless number of topics. And it changes every second of every day. There's no such thing as ever catching up on social media. Many people find shelter from that incessant pace of social media in books. In my life, books are a much more peaceful source of information. The pace is more comfortable. And by comfortable, I mean slow because I'm a very slow reader. Being a slow reader poses quite a challenge when there are hundreds of thousands of books published every year in the U.S. alone. Of course, there are books written on every topic you can imagine. Books for entertainment, books for education, for self-help, for school, for work, for everything. Even in the digital age, printed books are a popular and huge source of information. Fortunately for slow readers like myself, we have audio books. And just like with printed books, there are millions to choose from. Just in nonfiction alone, every new issue, topic, theory, there's constantly new books to read and listen to. Whenever I tell someone that I've read a book, they're likely to say, oh, and have you read this one too or that one? And here I was feeling accomplished because I'd read one book about the topic. Now, even though I'm presenting a case here for information overload and stress and anxiety, I really like this next uh, topic of information, TV and film. I love watching movies, action and adventure, mystery, suspense, drama, comedy. I like lots of different kinds of movies. They're all so entertaining, but I also like historical movies and documentaries. You can learn so much information from those films. And now with subscription services like Netflix and Disney Plus, we have literally decades of TV and movies available to us anytime we want them. And new ones are added every day. What about email? There's a lot of information flying around the world through email every day. Have you ever wondered how much email we generate? Between 2019 and 2020, around 300 billion emails were sent and received per day. I don't know what that means in your life, but for my work emails, I'm anywhere from 30 to 70 emails a day, and that's just work, not my personal email. And then there's texting, which has become a primary source of communication for so many people. There was a time when I thought texting would probably replace email, but it seems that texting has only added yet another source of information and communication. Although it can be hard to nail down how many text messages are are being sent It's estimated that in the U.S. in 2019, 26 billion texts were sent per day. Now, if you divide that number by 331 million people in the U.S., you get 78 texts per person per day. But you know we can't count the babies. They're not sending texts on little baby phones yet. But you get the idea. There's a lot of texting going on. The 24-7 news, social media, books, Printed and audio, TV, movies, texting, email, it all just piles on and piles on. We struggle to keep up, trying to sort it all out. Is this important? 
I should read that book. I'm so behind in my emails. Is this news even real? So we keep absorbing and even gorging on all this information. And new words are coined, like infoxication and infobesity. And it gives us stress and anxiety. And all along, the most important information, information that doesn't change, information that brings life and peace and joy, is all found in this one single book, God's Word. Have you read it? Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The most important information ever written in the history of humankind, the most important information that ever will be written is right here. We have it. These are the words of God Almighty to us. This is God himself speaking to you and to me. And that's a supernatural thing. Think about that for a second. When we read these words, it's like we're doing something supernatural. We're hearing from God himself. The words of God to us are the Bible. Have you read it? This morning is part four of our summer series where we're teaching about how to be spiritually healthy. Reading the Bible is such an important part of that. In fact, there are many reasons to read the Bible. When we are overwhelmed, it calms our spirits. When we are afraid, it gives us courage. When we feel lost or alone, it reminds us that God is close. And when we're in pain or hurting, it brings comfort and healing. I could go on and on. The reasons to read the Bible, there's too many to cover in one sermon. So I've chosen three for today's message. First... Reading the Bible answers life's most important questions. Second, it's our primary communication from God. And third, we will starve without it. The human race has always asked the question, what is the meaning of life? And there are many variations of this question. How did we get here? Is there an afterlife? What is truth? Where do we find the answers to these questions? Well, Google, of course, because that's what we do when we need to know something, right? Google knows everything. Just for fun, I did a couple searches online for the answers to these deep questions. Now, I know some of you like to use Alexa or Siri for help, but I did it the old-fashioned way, and I typed words into the search box. First, I used Google and searched for meaning of life. It found 830 million results in 0.83 seconds. The first page of results started with things like encyclopedias, Wikipedia, uh, Monty Python's movie Meaning of Life was in there. And there was another item on that page that said, Reclaim Masculine Power. I didn't research that one. (laughs) Interestingly, in that long list of results, it wasn't until page three that there was any reference to the Bible. Then I did a smaller search just on Amazon. And I searched for books 
on the meaning of life. And they gave me a list of about 30,000 to choose from. And there were some really good books in that list. But I also noticed there was a book called Crystals for Witches. So that's a lot of information about the meaning of life. So many endeavors to answer questions about our existence. So many attempts to be the right one. In this search for truth and meaning, there are many different philosophies. Some are spiritual and religious. Others are scientific and some are more sociological. Some have been around for a very long time. Others are not so old. And some are brand new and creative and even allow you to make it up yourself. And we have all this information at our fingertips. We carry our smartphones with us around in our pockets. We have instant access to all this knowledge. But we have a problem. And it's not about access to information. The problem is knowing more and understanding less. You might say we have all the information. In other words, we have an endless source of material, yet we long for the answers. We can gorge ourselves on information and still starve for the truth. The truth comes from only one place, God's word. And God's word says in Proverbs 2, 6, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. In Colossians 2, 3, Paul says that all the, treasures and wisdom, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Jesus Christ. And the prophet Isaiah said this about Jesus in chapter 11, verse 2. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. So search the Bible for truth and meaning in life and you will find wisdom and knowledge. So back to the question. Why should we read the Bible? We should read the Bible because it's the source of truth. In the Bible, we find answers to the most important questions in life. The second reason we should read the Bible is because that it's the primary way God communicates with us. God created us to be in a relationship with him. Go back to Genesis to see God's original plan. He actually wants to be close with us. In the first three chapters of Genesis, we see Adam and Eve had a relationship directly with God. And there was no shame or guilt or fear. But then they broke the one and only rule that he gave them. And that disobedience is how sin came in between them and God and damaged their relationship. It broke their friendship. And after that, every human being is born with two things a desire and a need to be in a close relationship with God and a sin problem that damages that relationship. But Jesus gave us the remedy for that damage. He reconciled us to God. And I like how the New Living Translation calls that reconciliation our friendship. In Romans, 10, Romans 5, verses 10 and 11, we read, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Jesus made this friendship, this relationship possible again by giving up his life as a sacrifice for the sin that caused the damage in the first place. He took care of the problem for us. All we have to do is believe Jesus did it. And then our, we are restored to God. We are friends of God. 
You can't earn that. You can't buy it. You can't do anything for it. It's a free gift. All you can do is believe it and receive it. All, if you're not a friend of God right now, you can be. All it takes is belief in Jesus. That belief restores your relationship to God. So for those of us that have believed in Jesus and had our sins forgiven and our friendship to God restored, the question becomes the topic of our sermon series, spiritually healthy. How do you have a spiritually healthy relationship with God? Well, how do you have healthy relationships with your friends? We spend time with them. We talk to them. We listen to them. In other words, we communicate with them. It would be strange to call someone a friend if you never communicate with them. Healthy relationships don't happen without communication. And communication only happens when there's a sender and a receiver. If you aren't receiving, then there's no communication. How does God communicate with us? His primary way of communicating with us is through the Bible. If you read the Bible every day, then you get to know him. You can grow close to him and you understand him at a deeper level and you receive his wisdom. Do you want to be close to God? You can be close to him when you make him your first priority. Jesus told us to seek first the kingdom of God, not book knowledge, not social media attention or TV or movies. Seek God first. You will find him when you prioritize listening to him, speaking his words to you through the Bible. So we read the Bible because it's the source of truth in life. Second, we read it because it's God's primary way of communicating with us. And finally, we read it because without it, we'll starve. When we read the Bible, we get spiritual nourishment. We all know how to nourish ourselves physically. We have to eat. I enjoy nourishing myself. But obviously, it's not about just enjoyment. We have to eat to live. Without food and nourishment, we would physically starve. However, we are not just physical beings. We are spiritual beings as well. And physical food will not feed our spirits. Jesus made it very clear in Matthew 4, 4, when he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. To be spiritually healthy, we require the nourishment that comes from God's word. So I have a question for you. How much of God's word do we need in order to be healthy? Let's go back to that example about food for our physical bodies. How much food do you need to be healthy? Three meals a day? Two meals? One meal? I read that the body can live without food for between one and three months. And that time is a lot shorter without water. How healthy would a person be if they ate only one meal a week? Does that seem like a weird question? Because when it comes to our spiritual diet, I'm afraid some Christians only eat once a week. In other words, if your only intake of God's word is on Sunday mornings in church, I think you're probably starving. Wouldn't it seem strange if you met someone who was physically malnourished and you asked them if they needed food? And they said, no, I don't need any food. I have plenty, but I only eat once a week. Just having the Bible isn't enough. You have to put it inside you for it to work. And there's a great upside to this. The more you put inside you, or the more spiritual food you eat, the healthier you will be. I don't think overeating is a concern when it's with God's Word. 
God's word is powerful and that power sustains us and protects us. You see, we have an enemy who is strong. Satan is more powerful than you and me, but he cannot stand against the word of God. We can see the power of God's word when Jesus was face to face with Satan in the wilderness. In Matthew chapter 4, we read that Satan tempted Jesus three times. And all three times, Jesus responded to Satan by quoting scripture. There was no lightning or thunder, no fighting or struggling, nothing like that at all. The power, the powerful truth of God's word defeated Satan. When we feed our spirits by meditating on the word of God, we grow and mature in Christ. That process of growing and maturing is called sanctification. In John 17, 17, Jesus prayed for us this way. He said to God, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. We can be sanctified, we can grow and mature and be spiritually healthy if we are regularly feeding ourselves with the truth of God's word. In God's word, we discover the truth, the meaning of life. We can hear from God as he communicates to us. It sanctifies us and makes us strong. And yet, many believers read very little or not at all. Why? Why would a believer not read the Bible? Well, just as there are many reasons to read the Bible, there are many reasons we don't read the Bible. A common excuse is, I'm too busy, I don't have time. But we make time for the things we really want to do. Catching up on social media, watching TV, movies, sports, reading things other than the Bible. But I also believe there are many people who truly want to read their Bible more, but they feel intimidated by it. They don't know how to get started, so they just never do. So to wrap this up, I'm going to give you some advice on how to get started reading your Bible. First, it's important to read the actual Bible. Now that may sound like I'm overstating the obvious, but here's why. Devotional books are extremely popular, and for good reason. They help us meditate on parts of God's Word, and they give us some insights, and they're generally encouraging. But devotional books are not God's Word. They are supplemental to God's Word. They enhance our study of the Bible, much like supplemental vitamins enhance our physical health. But what if you stopped eating food and only ate supplemental vitamins? That wouldn't be good at all. So devotional books can play a positive role in your spiritual health, but don't let them replace your Bible reading. There's no other book in existence like the Bible. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, bone and marrow, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now back to the question about how to get started. One way to get started is just Google it. I'm serious. I googled the phrase how to read the Bible and it gave me some pretty good results. You should try it. But just remember to make sure you're primarily reading the actual Bible. Commentaries, explanations, videos, all fine. Just be sure that the Bible is the main text. However, my main recommendation for getting started happens to be a reading plan that you just heard about in the announcements earlier from Brad. Our communications team just finished a reading plan for the New Testament book of Galatians. 
It's a reading plan, not a devotional book, so you'll read larger portions of Scripture each day, and then you'll work through some questions about what you read. This is a great way to start reading the Bible over the next couple of weeks. Perhaps maybe you're not sure about what version or translation to use, and I can understand that. There are so many options. The YouVersion Bible app has 64 English versions and 24 in Spanish, and I think something like 1,700 total languages, and it's all free. So here are four good ones to consider starting with. The New King James Version, the English Standard Version, the New International Version, or the New Living Translation. One more thing I strongly recommend for your reading, your Bible reading, is prayer. Before you start reading, just take 30 seconds or a minute to focus your mind on God and ask Him to give you understanding as you read. God wants you to understand His Word. He wants you to know Him. He will help you. Show Him that you want to know Him. Read the Bible. Dig into it and ask God to help you understand it. Study it. Learn it. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Because a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Friends, we don't have to chase after myths and every new trendy theory. We have the truth. We have God's word. Let's put his word in our hearts. Let it sanctify us. And then let's share that truth with the people in our lives. My prayer for us today is the Apostle Paul's prayer for the believers in Colossae. And it's found in Colossians 1, 9-14. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you would give us complete knowledge of your will. We ask for your spiritual wisdom and understanding. Help us to live in ways that always honor and please you. And may our lives produce every kind of good fruit. Help us to grow as we learn to know you better and better. We also pray that, you will be, that we will be strengthened with all your glorious power so we will have all the endurance and patience we need. May we be filled with joy and thankfulness to you, our Heavenly Father. You have enabled us to share in the inheritance that belongs to you, to your people who live in the light. You rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of your dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.